Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. Silicon Valley Bank, SVB, the 16th largest bank, collapsed over the weekend. The second largest bank failure in U.S. history, making news as we were getting off the air on Friday, Hammer. And it looks like Biden is going to bail him out. They're not calling it a bailout, but that's what it is. They're going to bail out uh, Harry and uh, Meghan Markle and Oprah <laughs> and everybody that had uh, large deposits there in that bank. What about Sam Bankman Freed? <laughs> did he? Did he have? Did, did, did he have him? some crypto saved in SVB? Uh, I have no idea. But. That wasn't the only one that collapsed too. Signature Bank yeah. in New York also having some issues so the biden administration wall street silicon valley all of their buddies they are going to get the bailout rolling now don jr on twitter earlier today quote biden is bailing out these banks to help his donor friends in silicon valley and wall street we all know that if a small community bank failed in a place like east palestine they would never yeah. get a bailout that's a good point they're not really bailing them out they're calling it they're insuring the uninsured which is over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. okay that's how it works and the bobs in office space didn't fire milton <laughs> they fixed the glitch it's the same energy right there so the commander-in-chief joe biden <laughs> Waddled up to the podium today, <laughs> leaned in, squinted his eyes, opened up his mouth, and he spoke to the masses, and he had some bullet points today. Bullet point number one, I don't know what happened. There are important questions of how these banks got into the circumstance in the first place. We must get the full accounting of what happened and why those responsible can be held accountable. In my administration, no one, in my no one is above the law. <laughs> Except for me and my son. And then Fauci. And Fauci. Just throw Fauci in there for good measure. <laughs> well, so, I'll tell you what happened. They took it took it on the chin on their bond holdings in the and because of the skyrocketing interest rates, all hell broke loose. Sounds like bad management from the top down. But Biden made it perfectly clear. They don't know what happened, but they do know that it was Trump's fault. During the Obama-Biden administration, we put in place tough requirements on banks like Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, including the Dodd-Frank law to make sure that the crisis we saw in 2008 would not happen again. Unfortunately, the last administration rolled back some of these requirements. So to recap, <laughs> I don't know what happened, uh, but it's e Trump's fault. It's Trump's yeah. fault, even though I've been the president for three years now. If this was such an important deal to you, Joe, yeah. why didn't you fix it in the three years you've been the president? Because at one point you had the House and the Senate all right there with you. But now you want to blame it on Donald Trump. All right, fine. Let's go to bullet point number three. And I think this one's my favorite. Investors took a risk. So screw capitalism. Investors in the banks will not be protected. They knowingly took a risk. And when the risk didn't pay off, investors lose their money. That's how capitalism works. So who was the woke speechwriter that put that in the teleprompter, right? Like, was that part of a bet that somebody <laughs> lost to Elizabeth Warren? Did AOC win a conference tournament bet, you know, on tournament week to where she had to put the screw capitalism right there in the teleprompter That's for it. Joe? 
This guy is such a joke. That'd be hilarious, yeah. If, if somebody was, whoever his speechwriter was, somebody bet Biden's speechwriter, hey, just throw this in there. I'll give you an extra 50 bucks if you do. Just see if he <laughs> says it. I mean, if you look at his bullet points, I don't know what happened. It's Trump's fault. Screw capitalism. Well, maybe you should figure out number one before you start going down to whose fault it is and why it happened. Learn why it happened first before you start pointing the finger at capitalism and Donald Trump. Meanwhile, the bank stocks had a rough day today, plummeting as you would expect them to do. Now, Charles Payne, He's the guy that does Fox Business programming. He's got the 2 o'clock show every afternoon on Fox Business. Here are his thoughts on why we're in this situation. Mm-hmm. But this is an irresponsible, reckless bank. But it's let, let's, let's be clear. The, the American public must know. Every account in this country is insured to $250,000. Every single account. This was not about bailing out small accounts, regular Americans. The mean bank account in this country is $41,000. This is another bailout of the elites. This is a bailout of Silicon Valley, the same Silicon Valley that just brought a Sam Bankman-Fried. The Silicon Valley that for 20 years grew companies privately to exorbitant valuations, outrageous valuations, and then foisted them on the public at even higher valuations. Mm -hmm. They have made... They have made so much money. I mean, only only the Saudi Arabian princes can, can <laughs> deal with the amount of money that they've made. And then the billionaires, they try to scare everybody, saying there's going to be a run on banks. The entire financial system is going to collapse in order. And what they're really doing is forcing Biden and the, and, uh, the Federal Reserve to bail them out. But it's not a bailout. Oh, it is, is but they're not calling that. (laughs) It's a total bailout. Everybody knows that it's a bailout, but that's not what they're calling it. So that's what you need to know in regards to the banks collapsing today. But in happier news, Nige, I'm excited because March Madness is finally here. Oh, finally. First of all, can we talk about how annoyed I am with IU, though? They really ruined my weekend, because it's all about me. I'm that much of a narcissist. They, <laughs> I was really hoping for the IU-Purdue matchup of the Big Ten tournament there at the, at the final game Sunday night, and or I mean Sunday afternoon. And then IU screwed the pooch, lost to Penn State, played like crap. Do you buy the argument that, oh, well, you know, it's better to lose now than than in the tournament and they're getting more rest and they've, you know, that's kind of like the excuse IU fans. That's something losers say. (laughs) I'd rather have the rest instead of playing for a championship (laughs) in my conference. That's something losers say. Uh, I believe our uh, executive producer, Matt Hiblin, said It's a loser mentality, man. Play for the yeah, championship know, and beat man. Purdue to get it. I know. That would have been so great yesterday. Instead, I mean, uh, yesterday's game ended up being pretty good. Yeah. I mean, they, Penn State almost came back and won within the last, what, 20 seconds? The same thing happened with Indiana's six? game. They yeah. came back and almost beat yeah. Penn State in the same way. So I'm excited, man. Okay. Like I know I'm, everybody I'm, loves the Super Bowl, Super Bowl Sunday, and that's probably the biggest single day on the sporting calendar for pop culture and for whatever. But, man, there's something about those first couple days of March Madness that's just the absolute best. And now we know when the local teams play. So Purdue, they will play Friday, 6.50 p.m. They'll play the winner of the play-in game. Number 16 seeds playing each other in Dayton. The winner gets Purdue. Texas Southern or Fairleigh Dickinson. 
which I believe my friend Scott Long has always said the best joke in the world. How you feeling today? Eh, fairly Dickinson. <laughs> I mean, some people have a little bit more Dickinson what? than I do, but I'm fairly Dickinson. <laughs> uh, so Purdue will play the winner of those two. And then that night, late one, 9.55 p.m., approximate tip-off. Could be later than that, depending on what happens in the earlier game. Number four seed, Indiana, taking on the <sighs> champions of the MAC. They're getting a little MAC-tion, the 13 seed, Kent State. Didn't, didn't Ball State beat Kent State? Ball State was pretty good, though, this year. I mean, Ball State and the MAC had a decent conference. I think they split their games. So this is a winnable game for IU, isn't it? IU is about a five-point favorite. Now, there's a lot of drama in this one because Kent State's coach was a former IU assistant under Kelvin Sampson. Ew, he's the one making some of those phone calls, wasn't he? He <laughs> may have been the main guy making all of those illegal phone calls. So that's going to be interesting. Kent State can play now. Don't sleep on the flashes. But uh, the Hoosiers, the late-night game on St. Patrick's Day, Nige. Oh, boy. The chances of you being awake to watch this are... <laughs> 50-50 right now. Uh, we'll I'm betting see. the under on that one. <laughs> There's no way. No way you will be, one, I up think, that late, I, I think, and two, still conscious. Uh, there's, there's some festivities going on St. Patrick's Day, and we don't have the kids, so we'll see. We'll see. We'll uh, see. I've got a $15 wager on the Hoosiers to win the whole thing. Which would pay out approximately. $315. Make okay. you holla. Okay. Okay. Hammer and Nigel show. Hello. I uh, yeah, I watched a little bit of the Oscars and uh, it's boring, very woke, very boring. Uh, but there's a couple of feel good stories. I mean, Brendan Fraser. I like him as an actor. Is and, it Fraser he, or Fraser? Because I've heard both. Whatever. I don't know. But he was an Indianapolis native, born in '68. His parents moved around the country an awful lot. But he won Best Actor for The Whale. Still haven't seen. I haven't seen any of the movies on that list except Top Gun. I heard he beat out Rosie O'Donnell <laughs> for that role. Yeah, he, he did not actually. Uh, everything, everything, everywhere, all at once. One best picture. You know what that is? Never heard of it. A middle-aged Chinese immigrant is swept up into an insane adventure in which she alone can save existence by exploring other universes and connecting with the lives she could have led. It's kind of like Gremlins. <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> I did think it was cool that uh, there was... Uh, the, <laughs> the, um, the best supporting actor who was also in that movie, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, is someone named Ki Hui Kwan. Now, he got best supporting role, but he also played short round in Temple of Doom and Data in The Goonies. The really? Same, the same guy. He's an adult now, obviously, but the same the same guy that won. So he was short round in the Indiana yeah, Jones Yeah, movie? and Data. Huh. And then um, he also starred as, um, he was in Encino Man with Brendan Fraser. <laughs> okay. So it kind of works that way. So look, you know, the Oscars were last night, and it, it, just in case you missed anything, here's here's a quick recap for you. And now, in case you missed it, the entire Academy Awards in less than 10 seconds. Red carpet. Jimmy Kimmel monologue. Movie clips. Awards. Singers. Film highlights. Commercials. Dead people montage. <laughs> Political statements. More awards. Speeches. And that was the 95th Academy Awards in 10 seconds. Okay. If you missed anything, there's your recap. That's the kind of recap that I need right, right there. there. I can get through that in 10 seconds. I don't want to see any of that crap. Like, you know, Tom, Tom Cruise, 
didn't even show up. He wasn't even there. Neither was James Cameron, who uh, was uh, up for uh, you know awards for Avatar. Um, they didn't even show up. They knew it was going to be. And I think they they all know ahead of time this little quirky, you know, dark comedy is is was for some reason won all the awards. Basically, they won them all. So I saw this trending last night, and yeah. I didn't know what to think of it. Did Don Lemon take some heat last night? Oh yeah, the the best the uh, actress for again uh, everything everywhere all at once. Um, she, she took like a veiled shot at Don Lemon. Remember? Okay, go back to go back a couple of weeks. Remember when Don Lemon on CNN said this? She says people, you know, politicians or something are not in their prime. Nikki Haley isn't in her prime. Sorry. When a woman is considered to be in her prime in her 20s and 30s and maybe 40s. What are you that's talking about? Wait. I, that's not according to me. Prime for what? Uh, it depends. I mean, it's just like prime. If you look it up, it'll say, if you look, if you Google when is a woman in her prime, it'll say 20s, 30s and 40s. <laughs> Look it up. Google it. I just I Google it. That's where I get all my information. Google. So, so Michelle Yao won for Best Actress for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Like I said, that that one, you know, it doesn't even look very good. It, it does not love. Never not seen it. But anyway, she's up there, and she sounded sounded like she took a shot at Don Lamont. This is proof that dreams dream big and dreams do come true. And ladies, don't let anybody tell you you are ever past your prime. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, that's a shot. That's a it? shot at Don. That's a total shot yeah, at Don. Yeah, I like some of her speech was good. I mean, she's talk, talking about, you know, this is the American dream or whatever. So that was that was a feel-good moment. But here is really, this is my favorite moment, and it didn't even happen during the show. Uh, here's an awkward interview with Hugh Grant on the red carpet. Um, what are you most excited to see tonight? To see? Yeah, well, I know that you probably watched a few of the movies. Are you excited to see anybody win? Do you have your hopes up for anyone? Um, not, not, no, no one in particular. Okay, well, what are you wearing tonight, then? Just my suit. Your suit? Who yeah. made your suit? You didn't make it. Um, I can't remember. My tailor. That's okay. Yeah. Ta- shout out to the tailor. Yeah. Um, so tell me, what does it feel like to be in Glass Onion? It was such an amazing film. I really loved it. I love a thriller. How fun is it to shoot something like that? Well, I'm barely in it. I'm in it for about three seconds. Yeah, but still, you showed up and you had fun, right? Uh, almost. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, thank you so much. It was nice to talk to you. Yeah. Just such an awkward, cringy interview. I don't think he wanted to be there at all. Yeah, he had like a quick 10-second cameo in that Knives Out movie from a couple of months ago. I thought that was hilarious. Now, he had an interesting night. Um, he was a presenter at one point last night, yeah, wasn't he? some award last night with Andy McDowell. And Did he make a joke were, about balls? Yeah, he said something about a scrotum or something. Those two were in a four weddings and a funeral together in the 90s. But here, listen, listen to this. Go ahead. We're actually here to do two things. The first is to raise awareness about the vital importance of using a good moisturizer. <laughs> Andy has been wearing one every day for the last 29 years. I've never used one in my life. Still stunning. Uh, basically a scrotum. Well, if you had Hugh Grant saying the word scrotum hey. on your Oscars bingo card, put a little chip on that section. This is about the only thing that was funny about Jimmy Kimmel, the host. Um, he said this near the ending of the opening of the monologue, kind of referencing last year's uh, Will Smith Oscars slap. 
We know this is a special night for you. We uh, want you to have fun. We want you to feel safe. And most importantly, we want me to feel safe. So we have strict policies in place. If anyone in this theater commits an act of violence at any point during the show, you will be awarded the Oscar for Best Actor <laughs> and permitted to give a 19-minute long speech. No, but seriously, the Academy has a crisis team in place. If anything unpredictable or violent happens during the ceremony, just do what you did last year. Nothing. <laughs> Sit there and do absolutely nothing. Will Smith, by the way, banned from the Oscars from here on out. Oh, okay. He was banned. Yeah. You know what? I hate when people that I dislike say something entertaining. Yeah, he went after Will Smith pretty good in that. Because that's a pretty and, good joke by Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. I just hate Jimmy yeah. Kimmel so much, I don't even want to laugh at it. Going after Will Smith and the Academy for basically encouraging behavior. Gave him the award for best actor. Let him give a 19-minute long speech after he punched Chris Rock on live television. So there you go. If you didn't want to watch it, if you hate all these people, Big Nigel You're watched welcome. it so you don't have to. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. The only way to bag a classy lady is to give her two tickets to the gun show. It's Monday Gun Day with the gun guy. Just watch out for the guns. They'll get you. Guy Stop calling your arms guns. The Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. The gun guy, Guy Relford, host of the Gun Guy Show, licensed firearms instructor and 2A attorney joining us. How are you, Guy? Man, I'm great. And thanks, as always, to our sponsor, Fort Liberty Firearms in Avon, 8401 East Highway 36. Great place to buy firearms, ammunition, or accessories. Check out my buddies at the fort at fortlibertyfirearms.com. A number of places we could uh, start here. Let's start with Biden's budget that he's trying to get through, which is probably DOA when it gets to the house anyway but what's what's in there for gun owners and two a supporters oh well nothing <laughs> uh, all right thanks for that I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what's in there fear and paranoia uh that's what's in this uh, and, and i'll tell you why and it's because they continue to want to throw a lot more money uh at atf in particular and um as you guys and i have talked about uh, atf has become a really scary agency these days they really have um from the point where they, you know, they wanted to uh, to nominate and confirm this this crazy man David Chipman. Remember that guy? Uh, oh, yeah. And he actually he was even too yeah. radical for you know for the the for the ATF. Let that sink out. in. He yeah. was too out of control for the Biden administration. To, and the to ATF. confirm, that's right. It was a Waco uh, guy, but, right? Yeah, but but it, yeah, exactly. But it's 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 still bad. ATF has gone from an agency that, to a large degree, was there to assist the the gun industry to help. For instance, gun stores stay on the right side of the law, and they're really and they'll tell you that their mission statement anymore when it comes to regulating gun stores, for instance, is to try to find some excuse to put otherwise law-abiding uh, businesses out of business, and 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 they and, and 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 they'll tell you that, and it's scary. And the, the the kind of confiscation cases I have, you know, somebody who just had a private collection, uh, who uh, there's not even an argument he broke the law, came and, and confiscated 300 guns out of this house, and and now we're going to have to sue them. To, to get this guy's guns back. So anyway, ATF is, has become, and, and I'm not a guy who throws these words around easily, uh, and I'm sure that the rank and file, there are a lot of good, solid people, yeah. but man, from the top down, um, their, their marching orders anymore are, are pretty scary because it's to go after, I think, in a lot of times, 
just law-abiding uh, gun owners. And this budget, you look at the amount of ATF agents and FBI agents, yeah. too. Uh, because with the FBI, Joe Biden and his staff knows they cannot repeal the Second Amendment, and it's going to be very hard for them to do a lot of things they want. So they're going to do their damnedest to do these back alley ways to make it harder for gun well, owners. Well, that's exactly the point, Jason. And, you know, we, we heard uh, years ago uh, this so-called Operation Choke Point, right? That was the Obama administration who said, you know what, we're just going to attack the gun industry financially. And and, and they talked to, into a lot of banks and insurance companies into refusing to do business with the gun industry. Um, and that's continuing. And, you know, and I think we're going to talk about this business where um, the International Association uh, for Standardization has created uh, this new uh, uh, credit card code to where if you use your credit card at a at a gun store, that that shows up and, and is ident- identifies that purchase as having been made at a gun store. Why why would they want to do that? There's an excuse for doing it, um, but I'll tell you the real reason, and it's to at the end of the day allow credit card companies to start simply not authorizing those purchases, and and, and you can put gun stores out of business that way. And the other is to, to regulate the gun industry into submission, to litigate it into submission, um, and to catch uh, law-abiding gun stores, gun retailers, with some minor little bookkeeping error and, and revoking their federal firearms licenses. And, and that's exactly the agenda of this administration. Are you saying, and I think we talked about it before, are you saying these companies are, are, are aggregating and, and collecting data and sending it to uh, the ATF? Or yes, and well, in our own Indiana Metropolitan Police Department is doing the same thing. Where if they, if if you if you have a wreck, uh, and you know you're an innocent victim of somebody else t-boning you, and you have a gun in your car, and if IMPD then impounds your vehicle and and they, they take that gun into their property room, they're running ballistics on it. They're running the serial oh, number, I saw you and they're sending yeah. they're, they're sending all that information into the ATF. But what also is going on this this credit card business? These are gun control groups. This is the Brady campaign and Moms Demand Action and and the other Bloomberg organizations and some anti anti gun legislators like Elizabeth Warren went to this international organization for standardization and said we want you to create this code that that where we where we can identify and the credit card industry can identify any purchase made at a gun store and the ostensible reason was is we well we want to flag potentially suspicious purchasers to maybe catch an active shooter or the next mass shooter we'll get this what you buy at the gun store isn't identified it's what you spent and that you spent it at a gun store so if i go buy a gun safe if I buy this big, beautiful, yeah. large gun safe for $4,000 at a gun store, it, right? And Because I want to be a safe, responsible gun owner and store my gun securely. All it shows up is Guy Relford spent $4,000 at XYZ gun store. It could be $4,000 in ammo. could be $4,000 in AR-15s. Or it could be a $4,000 gun safe. The transaction isn't specific. Specific. Exactly. So, how do you use that information to track a potential mass shooter? That is bizarre. It's, uh, it, 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 it's, it's impossible, and they know it. They're creating this code. I'll tell you right now. So, the credit card companies that more and more and more are woke and anti-2A, I know because I have credit card processors who refuse to do business with me as a firearms instructor. I don't sell guns, <laughs> and they don't want to do business you with me. Teach people how to be safe with a firearm, yes. and they still give you crap. Yes, and so it's a deliberate effort to identify these purchases. So at the end of the day, they can simply not authorize those purchases. I want to use my four, my debit card to buy my four thousand dollars safe. Declined. 
When did we talk to Richard Essex from Wish TV? Was that last week? I think it was the, early last week. Okay, yeah. it was after we talked to you, and they ran the story about how. Um, and this has really nothing to do with the IMP police officers. No, the story it's a policy was, of the IMPD brass and how the the property room handles guns. But this is a no. It's not the rank and file IMPD yeah, officer. It has nothing to do with it. It's it, kind of the administrating of of yeah, confiscation of guns right. and how like this, the story about the guy that his, his his truck or his car got towed and he just right. happened to have his gun in there. Three years later, he still <laughs> he still yes. hasn't gotten no, no. it out and, because of the policy. And if, and if you saw that story, I was interviewed. Yeah extensively in that, and Richard and I work closely on that story. Now, right now, my mom, my 91-year-old mother has a gun in the IMPD property room. No. Yes. Yeah, IMPD, her name's Joanne Carson. Look it up. <laughs> okay? She has a gun in the IMPD property room. They will not give my mom her gun back, and, and it, it's there because um, some dirtbag employee of hers took her gun and then got pulled over and got arrested. No and kidding. And is now on his way to prison, and they took the gun out of, out of, out of my, a car my mom owns, a car my mom legally bought, because this scumbag took it, it went to the property room. They will not give it back to her. Uh, because she can't show her original receipt of when she bought the gun 20 years ago. And IMPD says, nope, sorry, yeah. you can't You can't have your... Well, wait a minute. You took it out of my vehicle. <laughs> yes. You know, I'll tell you the gun store I bought it at. You can go verify that. Sorry, you can't show us an original receipt. You don't get your gun back. Nobody has the original receipts, do they? Is that uh, a common thing? You know, I don't know how many guns I own, but I, 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 I don't know. I get I, if I have three receipts, I'd be shocked. Right. Man, we're not bashing the IMPD here. Don't don't get us wrong, but that policy seems a bit antiquated and and very uh, cumbersome. The for, IMPD brass yes. that that has this policy deserves to be bashed. Yeah. On this on this okay. point. Okay, because the other thing is, if if I'm like that gun that that, that my mom has in the property room, okay, ninety one years old, they I guarantee you it's their protocol. They ran ballistics on it, they test fired it, they collected the 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 shell casing and the projectile from test firing it. They ran it through their computer system. They they they, they kept a record yeah. of all that information from my mom's gun and then sent it to the ATF in Washington D.C. to go into their databases. And there's no evidence Man. whatsoever that gun was used in a crime. We so, need to get Mama Relford on the show. <laughs> we got to get the gun mom in here. The uh, gun guy, the gun mom well, in here well, together. You know what? I know Allison's really good on the dump button because <laughs> mom, mom, mom can light you up with <laughs> some moms. And you, you get, her, you get a, little, a little riled up, and uh, Allison would have to be quick on the old dump button. Oh, that'd be awesome. Because mom, mom can uh, can let it fly. So, is there any you know, constitutional wise though? Yes, I mean, Fourth Amendment. You know, because that's a search. That's a search because you know my gun. If there's no there's no suggestion, no evidence that it was it was used in, in the commission of a crime, right? Um, then why are you running a search on my gun? Why does why, why without a warrant? Why don't you need a warrant to test fire it and do and run all these other tests and then collect that data and keep that data in a database? With a law-abiding woman with no criminal history whatsoever, 91 years old, is being treated the same way that that a gun owner whose gun is found at a murder scene with him as the principal suspect. And I thought it was interesting what you said on that report from Richard Essex on Wish TV was that like you know you've had people come in and like want to sue. Yeah. But it's like, wait, how much is your gun worth? Right. Versus how much you charge in your retainer fee? Right. And I'm cheap, right? I mean, I'm, my I, my my hourly rate's pretty darn low, but 
what would it cost to sue IMPD to, to get a gun yeah, back out of there? It's going to be more than the five or six hundred bucks than, than than your guns worth. So what are all these guns doing that are just sitting in the room at IMPD? They just sit there and collect dust and rust. Yeah, because they're also horrible at how they maintain their guns down there. Um, but yeah, and and well, and and that's why, Jason. According to IMPD, as reported by Richard Essex, there are twenty one thousand guns <laughs> in the IMPD property room in the basement of the city county building. Twenty one thousand. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a big number right there, guy. Yeah, it is. Guy Relford, the gun guy with us. So, last weekend, I believe it was last weekend, comedian, actor, Mike Epps. Day Day. Indianapolis product, Day Day, yeah, in the Day second Day. Friday movie. <laughs> uh, he was getting ready to fly out of Indy and go back home. He has a firearm. It had some ammo inside of it, and he forgot to check that at the airport. Next thing you know, you know, TMZ's got the story. Mike Epps has to, I don't know if he has to, but he makes a video where he apologizes to his fans, but at the same time says, the reason I have my weapon is I carry cash. I've got a lot of jewelry. Stay strapped, basically, was his message. People are crazy. You see this kind of thing all the time, though. I do. I, I probably get maybe a dozen or so cases a year. Um, and let's make sure that, and, and you described it well, Hammer, but just so uh, people know what we're talking about, it's not illegal to have a gun anywhere in the airport. So, right? So, I, if I'm going to pick my son up, uh, I can carry my gun. I can carry it into the airport. Now, I'm, I'm going to make sure it's concealed. I won't make anybody nervous. Um, but at the end of the day, it's legal to have a gun in the airport. It's illegal to either have a gun in your checked bags that you failed to disclose and declare. And, there's, and there are TSA regulations on exactly how to car- uh, carry a gun, to, to, uh, to have a gun and travel with a gun in your carry-on bags. Secondly, it's illegal to have any firearm, uh, any deadly weapon, in the secure area of the airport, meaning when you're going through security, yeah. right? So, in other words, you can't have it in your carry-on or on your person when you go to go through security to, to get on the airplane. And what happens... Approaching a hundred times a year, right here in Indianapolis at, at our airport, is that somebody will have a gun in a backpack, a briefcase, uh, gym bag, whatever it is, and you know it's something they have in there for other reasons. They get a quick trip that comes up. They forget the guns in there for whatever reason. They you know throw some 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 clothes, and it happens a lot with guys who travel a lot, men and women who travel for business, or maybe somebody that doesn't know the law. Yeah, you know? well, yeah, and and you know, and and so they'll go, oh man, I got a quick trip, got a good you know. Fly up to Chicago, throw some you know some stuff in a in your in your backpack and head to the airport, and uh, and that's illegal. It's a Class A misdemeanor to knowingly and intentionally have a gun in the secure area of the airport. Past that first checkpoint where you show that first TSA person your uh, ID and your boarding pass. However, the law says knowing and intentional. Okay. Right? If it's an accident, you're not guilty of the crime. And what actually happened a few years ago, the Court of Appeals took a case where a guy had a, he had a great excuse. His wife had borrowed um, his uh, his uh, backpack to go to the gym with, or excuse me, to go to the range with girlfriends. Left her gun in his backpack. Never <laughs> told him that she had borrowed his backpack. And there's no way this guy knew or could have known this gun's in his in his backpack. He gets a quick business trip that comes up. He grabs his backpack, packs some stuff, heads to the airport. And it's a little side pocket you wouldn't necessarily think right. to check. He goes through security. They go, oh, there's a gun in here. 
he then, under the old policy of the Marion County Prosecutor's Office, he gets prosecuted. He gets charged with a Class A misdemeanor. He says, hey, this wasn't intentional. My, my wife did this to me, and, you know, and, and he's not mad at her, but he's got a legitimate excuse. And so he wants a trial. So they have a bench trial, meaning not a jury, just the judge. And the judge from the bench on the record says, sir, I believe you, because the wife came in and testified. Totally my fault. He didn't know I used his backpack. He goes, I understand. I think this was an accident. I think this was innocent on your part. But the way I read the statute, you're still guilty. Goes up to the Court of Appeals. Court of Appeals said, hold on. The trier of fact, the judge, because there's no jury, said on the record that this was accidental and unintentional. The statute says knowing and intentional you're not guilty. And so what happened is the Mary County Prosecutor's Office in the last two and a half years or so has actually changed their protocols where if you're represented by counsel, they'll bring you in. They don't, they don't want to bring you in when you're not representative. It goes south. They don't want to be accused of, of, of taking advantage of somebody. But if you're represented, they'll bring you in. They'll hear your story of how the gun inadvertently, accidentally you know, ended up in your carry-on. If they believe you, they don't really think you're you know, Al-Qaeda trying to sneak a gun on right. an airplane, um, then they'll actually give you a no-prosecution letter and you, that you can use. You have to make an appointment. You can go back and get your gun from the airport. Um, and, and so all Mike Epps needs to do, he needs to, he needs to have a lawyer, um, but then he needs to set up this meeting with the prosecutor's office where they hear his story. And if they buy it, under their protocols now, they actually won't charge him with a crime. That's changed. Before two years or so ago, they used to charge everybody with the misdemeanor. Right. If anybody has any questions, how can they find you? RelfordLaw.com. Best way to get hold of me. Thanks, guy. Guy, you're the best. Thanks, guys. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it. Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida. I think it's pretty evident that, I mean, the writing's on the wall. He will be running for president um, and that GOP nomination. His new book, The Courage to be Free, Florida's Blueprint for America's Survival, outsold Trump, Obama, and Clinton books in the first weeks. He is on a tour right now, sold out Reagan uh, Library, or I, I think he was in California. Now he's in Iowa, or he was in Iowa, which Iowa obviously plays a huge role in uh, the GOP nomination. And, um, you know, it's just a matter of time. I think he's going to wait until the, 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 legis- the legislative session in Florida is done before he announces. Probably a smart thing to do. He's in no but- rush. I mean, he's got all the leverage here, right? He's got a lot of people saying, we need you, we need you, but he could sit back, prop his feet up, crack open a cold one, yeah. and jump in when he wants There's, to. I mean, the, the the GOP field is pretty small. It's Trump, I think Nikki Haley, and that, that other guy, Vivek Ramaswamy. Um, so it's, and, and notice, if you, if you notice who Trump has been attacking, it ain't any of those names I mentioned. Right. It's DeSanctum- Ron DeSanctimonious in his horrible book. Tiny D. <laughs> That's one of his uh, nicknames that the focus group was working on. Tiny D. Uh, what are the, the numbers here? How do he do? Courage to be free. Florida's blueprint for America's survival sold 94,300 copies in its first week. This is according to BookScan, which tracks retail sales of printed U.S. books. 94,300. To put that into comparison here, uh, Clinton's memoir, Hard Choices, about her time working in the Obama administration before her failed 2016 presidential run, sold 86,000 copies in the first week. Now, President Obama, his book, The Audacity of Hope, 
as a then Illinois U.S. senator to become the rising star in the Democratic Party, sold 67,000 copies the first week. Yeah, that's what these guys do. They release books ahead of their presidential runs just to kind of introduce America to who they are. I mean, how aware do you think are people in other states of Ron DeSantis that don't really bounce around in this political bubble? I think they've heard the name, but they might not know a lot about his policies. And I think they've heard his name just because of the media outlet that they choose to watch. So if you're a Fox News viewer, you probably like Ron DeSantis. If you're a CNN or MSNBC viewer, you probably think he's Satan. You know, so it depends on where you watch. I'm excited, if this does indeed happen, that he declares that he's running, for him to get his own words out there and to ultimately do some of these campaign events and end up on a debate stage. Because I'm telling you, if we get Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis on a debate stage together, hot damn, Fire. I'm here for that, baby. We're going to have to have another one of our parties. Yes. When, when did we do that? In 20, Was that 20, 2016 16 or 2017? Yeah. Re- Man, that's going to be in, fun. Man. We didn't do any in 20 because we knew who the candidates right. would be. All right, right, right. Um, but yeah, man, we're going to have to have some parties. Those watch parties. Now, so far, Donald Trump's strategy is to just rip on Ron DeSantis. But Ron DeSantis has been trying to take the high road. His line has been, I don't attack other Republicans. So you got a big difference in strategy all coming to a debate stage near you. Now, you mentioned some of the folks running for the Republican nominee. There may be another name about to jump in. According to TheHill.com, Republicans are bracing for Senator Tim Scott's announcement from South Carolina. They say it's increasingly likely that he's going to be entering the 2024 presidential race and arguing that he could be a voice of unity for the party. Tim Scott, of course, he's a black guy. He's a Republican. He gets called every name under the sun by the, quote, peaceful, tolerant left. Yeah, well, Tim Scott's another guy that's been to Iowa already. Mike Pompeo has been to Iowa. Uh, Trump, I think, is there. I think he might be there today. Uh, and again, uh, De Sanctimonious was still there, as, as Trump calls him, and it, they play a big role. It's a big deal to go to Iowa because Iowa is, plays a huge role in the GOP nominee for president. According to The Hill, who broke the story, Tim Scott has begun the process of hiring staffers, courting would-be donors, and he's headlining this big dinner for movers and shakers in Palm Beach. So... The groundwork is there for Tim Scott to put his name in the mix. Uh, Pence. Let's not forget Pence. Mike Pence. He's another guy that released a big book. Yes, he's doing the media tour. and He's slamming Trump. Do you think guys like Mike Pence and if Pompeo decides to get in are just doing it to try to bring down Donald Trump? Or... Does this help Donald Trump? Does this pull from the DeSantis voter? Because Trump's voters are Trump's yeah, voters. Yeah. They are locked in. That's their dude. They're I, I not think, changing. I don't think they're doing it just because they hate Trump. I mean, Mike Pompeo will be a formidable uh, formidable opponent. Tim Scott's huge. And, and maybe once they start to dwindle down the field a little bit, you know, Tim Scott, uh, maybe not because the, this is such an impressive GOP lineup. Maybe Tim Scott, you know, could be on somebody else's ticket once he decides to leave. Like, you know, DeSantis Scott 2024. Right. Trump, Trump 
Scott, 2020. Because it feels like the ceiling for people like Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, maybe even Tim Scott is like 7% tops. That's yeah. the ceiling. They're not getting any more than that. So the rest I of the just, votes. I mean, you never know what can happen. Look at that Demo- that field of stiffs in 2020, in 2019, running for uh, the Democrat nomination. Right. But I'm curious I mean, to see I, how, I what would have happened thought. if they let that play out. Because you can't convince me otherwise that the DNC told these people to drop out right before Super Tuesday. From Mayor Pete to Klobuchar yeah. to all those folks. I'm just curious if you would have let that play out what that would have looked like at the very end. It's fascinating. Maybe Biden would have still been the nominee. I don't know, but I think it would have been fascinating. And maybe guys like Bernie and Pete would have had more of a chance. Uh, Dr. Fauci, Nigel's Euchre partner, now says that a lab leak could still be considered a lab leak coming from natural origins. A lab leak could be that someone was out in the wild, <laughs> maybe looking for different types of viruses and bats, uh-huh. got infected, went into a lab, and was being studied in the lab, and then it came out of the lab. But if that's the definition of a lab leak, Jim, then that still is a natural occurrence. <laughs> he is trying to twist himself into a pretzel, isn't he? <laughs> well, it's a kid, it's not really a lab leak. Somebody could have got bitten by a bat and then went to the lab, and then, and then you know, he's chasing his tail here, it seems like. It's like, it's, it reminded me, I don't know why that reminded me of Bill Clinton. It just depends on what the de- definition of the word is. Is like you know? when you hear Fauci giving that excuse, the first thing that popped in my mind is John Candy's character from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Oh, sure, sure, <laughs> just kind of nodding his head, going along with it. Yeah, because people go out all the time looking for infected bats. <laughs> So it's really not gain-of-function research if you get bit by a bat, but then you go back to the lab, and then you give the disease to other people, but it leaks out of that lab. But So it's really not a leak in the traditional sense It is of, of a leak. Can you play Fauci one more time for me, Allison? Because, again, we're laughing, we're having a good time, but this is the guy that his input helped lock down this country, and this is what we're going with. A lab leak could be that someone was out in the wild, (laughs) maybe looking for different types of viruses and bats, got infected, went into a lab, and was being (laughs) studied in the lab, and then it came out of the lab. But if that's the definition of a lab leak, Jim, then that still is a natural occurrence. talking about Jim Acosta, by the way, on CNN. Big surprise. That sounds like the story of a comic book. (laughs) Yeah. Right? It sounds like you're trying to make an excuse as to why you're five hours late to your own wedding. Emma and Nigel presents... Is... It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this anything? Yeah, Mer, how do we play? Is this anything? I will run some stories by you. Yes. You break down all of the information and give us the verdict. Is the story anything or not? Is this anything? A Canadian man says that his app unlocked and then started another person's Tesla <laughs> that was parked next to him causing him to accidentally drive away in the wrong vehicle. Here he is breaking down what happened. 
I start driving it, I noticed there was a crack on the windshield and then I called my wife, what happened to the windshield? Next message was, you are driving the wrong Tesla car. <laughs> I think there was two Tesla cars which are parked side by side and because I was in a hurry, I jumped into somebody's car. I was surprised how I was able to drive somebody else's car. Yeah, that's surprising. All right, that's a problem with Tesla. Your app can unlock and drive any Tesla car out there. <laughs> that, doesn't, that seems to be something for sure. They seem to have Tesla, look, don't get me wrong, they're a cool car. I'd drive one if I could afford one. Because mostly I just drive back to and forth, back and forth to work. I mean, it costs me about 100 bucks, you know, every seven days to fill up the truck. But I mean, I don't have $80,000 to drop on a Tesla. But it's, you know, from the failed power steering system issues to issues with the autopilot capabilities, cruise control adjustments, I've read that they have, um, you know, and, and, and the expensive maintenance. And 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 there's maybe some privacy issues with potential to be hacked with the systems that the computer systems they use in it. It just seems like they have a lot of problems. And being able to use your app to open another Tesla and drive it home by mistake is certainly a problem. I mean, it's really state of the art technology for the carjacker that really wants to take his business next level. <laughs> That's right. what it's become. Right. I used to have to carry this Jimmy around with me. Not anymore. Thanks to my new app, I can steal any Tesla I want. Baby in the back doesn't matter i've got your car i'm not sure i wonder how e easy it is for those teslas to be towed as well i was kind of reading you have to have a special kind of tow truck if you break down on the side of the road or, or the battery fails or something like that just sounds like a big pain in the ass just go I, get a car I, that has gas yeah. <laughs> Don't get, i think they're cool man I, I I certainly would think about buying one if i did but it does seem like there's there's some problems they need to work out still is this anything? An elderly man in California survived for almost a week in his car stuck in a snowbank. He was oh, living wow. off of croissants and candy. Wow. Which I call every day. Uh, here's yeah. 81 year old Jerry's grandson. Yeah, it's his grandson. Christian is the grandson here talking about his grandfather surviving through the ordeal. He didn't think the storm was going to be as bad as it was. As he left about 30 minutes from the house, I believe he slid off the road and got stuck on the side. And that's when the blizzard hit. Finally, you know, I prayed about it hard. And uh, the next day, it was the most beautiful day we've had in weeks. And they were able to get a helicopter out there and uh, rescue him. A week on croissants? and candy okay. yeah that's something all right i don't know what you're doing with that many croissants in your car right were you just getting back from the grocery that's a lot of croissants and then now obviously because it all goes back to the bathroom with me the issue of where did you relieve yourself for the, did you get out and you know just go in the snow what did you use to clean up i mean you got to go in the snow i would think write your name in the snow maybe signal for help s-o-s <laughs> <laughs> repeatedly Maybe a helicopter would see it. I don't know. <laughs> He's, by the way, the guy, the dude, the 81-year-old, uh, released from the hospital in just 24 hours and, and, and in good health. Now, if I got stuck in the snow for a week, I'd start, I, I, I don't have anything in my truck but sunflower seeds. Do you usually keep no anything like that in your truck? I don't. Maybe I need supply to. Supply of croissants and Skittles? need to start turning my glove box into a snack bar. My first car go. in high school, that's what I had. I turned my glove box into a snack bar, <laughs> and we had candy and, like, all kinds of stuff in there. Uh, when was the last time you had to go outside and use the restroom, though? When was the last time? <laughs> uh, let's see. 
probably just at like in the summer at one of her neighbor's houses when we're all outside you know having beers and it's you know i don't want to go inside and there you know you just go around a corner in the woods right that's probably it i can't think of a time where i've had to go so bad that i had to pull over on the side of the road about a Um, month ago for me what what were you oh i had just woken up and the kids were in the shower and man i just had to go pee so i just walked off my backyard you know and just let it fly (laughs) i will say i have a relative who shall remain nameless uh when i was a kid that we had to pull over uh on our way to florida and this relative uh, had some serious intestinal issues oh no and on the side of the interstate had to do it did you know had explosive diarrhea basically i shall remain nameless the the person it wasn't me i'd admit that if that happened right but unfortunately (laughs) i still remember were you sitting there watching this relative do it i i I couldn't we were hidden from the were you making eye contact there were there were there was a lot of laughter i remember a lot of laughter allison do you ever Um, pee outside No, uh, I don't have the luxury as much as you guys yeah. do, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay, I'm just There's checking. A problem there. We wanted you to be involved in the conversation. <laughs> oh, I appreciate you. Thank you for including me. Is this anything? <laughs> a Mississippi man dropped almost 400 pounds in around three years, keeping a promise to his grandmother. Here's Nicholas Kraft wow. talking about his journey losing weight and trying to get healthy after weighing in at 649 pounds. The doctors told me if I don't do something about my weight issue, I was going to end up dying between three to five years. So I made a change. It scared me. I had to do something about it. I had suicidal thoughts before, too. I talked to my grandmother. She's the one that really pushed me at the, at the beginning, too. You want to talk about a seemingly uphill battle that you could not wrap your mind around. It's losing hundreds and hundreds of pounds because you weigh close to 700 pounds. That's unbelievable. That just that just it doesn't seem like I, I, I don't have that mentality in me where uh, like I just give up. You know, I can't visualize I, a person weighing that much. You'd have to. He, I saw the news story on this guy. You'd have to when Ed, Ed is heaviest, you'd have to get him out of his house with a crane if he died. Like, he wouldn't be able to fit out the door. Now, the other part of the story is that he didn't use gastric bypass surgery. None of those stomach, those band, those rubber bands they put around your stomach. He did it with good old diet and exercise. Really? 400 pounds. Good for him, the man. Diet and exercise. The guy's an inspiration. Yes, this is something. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Put your pinky up. The Hammer and Nigel Show. Oh, why does anybody care what Jane Fonda has to say? Like, why would The View have Jane Fonda on? I think you just answered your own question. It's The View. That's the, why. No, it's The View. Who okay, would you rather hear, Joy Behar just, or Jane Fonda? She's a mean old hag. Joy Behar. She's much more interesting and relevant than, than Jane Fonda is at 85 years old. She was on The View and called for the literal murder of pro-life politicians. And... You know, everybody's trying to say, "Oh, it was a joke." It's 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 just a, she was just joking. But I I think her face. You watch this clip here about to play. You watch Jane Fonda's face, and she she clearly she clearly doesn't agree that it's uh, a joke. We're not going back. I don't care what the laws are. We're not going back. Yeah. Well, I think the women will 
rise up. That's the activist. That's Jane speaking. Yeah. And, and, and she probably will get a Nobel Prize. But it's the truth. Very soon. It, it is the truth. But I'm I, not going to do it. Besides, besides marching and, and protesting, what else do you suggest? Well, well, it doesn't happen murder. overnight. It's not a miraculous... <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> murder. She's kidding. Wait a second. Oh, She's just oh, kidding. Don't say that. That's oh, not... you don't know. They'll pick up on that and yeah, just run that's with the it. Worst. She's joking. just kidding. It's... Well, let me talk to you about... <laughs> of course she's not kidding. Of course she's being serious. I mean, there's been uh, destruction and violence at uh, crisis pregnancy centers, pro-life centers all across the country. Hundreds and hundreds of documented um, attacks and Molotov cocktails and graffiti. And could you imagine if a conservative said, yeah, we need to murder the pro-abortionists? Could you imagine if, if somebody went on national television and said that? The outcry. Could you imagine if somebody just went to a school board meeting and said that? Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Exactly. So where is the FBI agents knocking on Jane Fonda's door for, oh, ins- for incitement? Yeah, Hanoi Jane. Loved her some Viet Cong back in the day. Hated the military. And and where is the conservative voice on that show? What's her name? Uh, Farrah Griffin? Aunt Alyssa Farrah Griffin or something? She was, white, she was Trump's White House communications director. And she's weak. I, I would have been our age. I would have got up and made a... I would have got up and walked out. Listen, like, I don't necessarily love the McCain family, but yeah, Megan would have picked up a steel chair yeah, and hit her with it. Exactly. That that Griffin, <laughs> that, that token conservative on there is very, the clips I've seen, always very deferential and, and agreeable when it comes to this sort of thing. Um, well, I know talking about The View and Jane Fonda and Joy Behar puts you in a salty mood. So I've got a story here that might make you feel a little bit better. Okay. We have an Eric Swalwell oh, update. <laughs> not that guy. Uh, Eric Swalwell, who famously once farted on MSNBC. The president used taxpayer dollars to ask the Ukrainians to help him cheat an election. <laughs> he went back on MSNBC and was questioning if our soldiers overseas should be allowed to watch Fox News or not. Well, again, I, I think about our troops, and I, I've been all over the world and have visited our troops uh, in some of the harshest places, and uh, nothing makes them feel more like home uh, than their access you know, to American television programming. And a, and a popular channel is Fox News. And uh, again, I, I don't want to get in the business of telling troops what they can and cannot watch, uh, but if you have a news station that a court is going to rule uh, is uh, in its evening hour, uh, you know, perpetuating dis and misinformation, uh, I don't know if I disagree with both vets who are saying uh, that we need to take a look at, uh, you know, how this is being broadcast to our truth. So he, he, so in the same breath, he goes, look, I, I don't want to tell them what to do, but yeah, they shouldn't be watching Fox News. That's but such a leftist move, isn't it? They hate the difference of opinion more than anything else. It drives them crazy. <laughs> I mean, you're absolutely right. It goes from, I don't want to tell them what they can and can't watch, but, I mean, it goes quickly to this dude. And this is the Democratic Party today. They hate the opposition. They hate anybody that has a different of opinion. They hate free speech. Should they be watching CNN, who 
lied to us for years about Russian collusion and evidence that Trump colluded with Russia and lied to the American people about the the quote-unquote rigging of the election in 2016. I thought you weren't supposed to perpetuate that narrative that elections are rigged, which certainly the Democrats did in 2016. You mean the same CNN or, for that matter, MSNBC that told us Jesse Smollett was the victim of a hate crime, that Kyle Rittenhouse was a guilty white supremacist, that Nicholas Sandman instigated that situation with the Covington Catholic kids, those same networks, but go ahead and keep on ripping on Fox. And the other thing that makes me upset is when people rip on whataboutism. I'm a big what about guy. I'm not going to lie to you. I believe in what aboutism. And the folks that you say, do. well, you can't say what about this or that. Why? Because it makes you look like a hypocrite. I'm a big believer in what aboutism because it shows the hypocrisy of people. If you're going to be all about free speech, be all about free speech. If you're going to say one network is in the tank for a political party, say it about all of them. But when you say that only one network is awful, yeah, I'm coming at you with some whataboutism because it makes you look like a hypocritical a-hole. Um, speaking of the Dems, this is a story from CNN.com. Democratic leaders are trying to get the party to stop making fun of Kamala Harris so much. Now, this comes on the heels of Elizabeth <laughs> Warren saying that, yeah, I support Joe Biden as the presidential nominee. Uh, whoever he wants to pick as his running mate's up to Joe. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know what the Democrats are going to do, quite frankly, in 2024. All their choices are bad. It's going to be Biden again. It's gonna, He's already kind of signaled his intention to run. I still think they're going to find a way to get bump him off that ticket. I don't know. Who else is there? Greasy Gavin, man. Greasy Gavin the, Newsom. The, the rich, white, California elitist. You could have stopped at rich. Um, yes. That's why. Know, you know, I guess maybe, uh, no, I was, was going to say something really stupid. I was going to say Bernie again. <laughs> Once I mean, again, I'm asking for your financial support. I mean, the only thing worse than, than Pete Buttigieg is the vice president, Kamala Harris. They're all horrible at their job. But even though he's one of those awful, gross, disgusting white males that the left hates so much, Greasy Gavin, yeah. guess well, who his buddies are? Silicon Valley, uh, Oprah, the Obamas, Magic Johnson, all of these people that are super left, super progressive, and have a crap ton of money. And the Democrat Party is all about identity politics. In the 2020 election leading up to the Democratic primaries, uh, there was Tulsi Gabbard, there was Elizabeth Warren, there was all sorts of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And guess who they dwindled it down to? The old rich white guy. Money talks yep. and everything else walks. Are you missing that hour of sleep today? Yes. Man. I'm at the age now where yeah. you take away that extra hour of sleep, you're just pushing me one closer hour to death. That's the way I feel today. I'm missing that hour of sleep. So if you're like me, if you're on the struggle bus a little bit today, here's Bob Dylan teaming up with Hammer and Nigel Records oh. with an anthem for you. Go change all your watches and clocks in your home. <laughs> One hour ahead, spring forward, you know. You know. It's daylight savings wherever you roam. This song is not valid in Arizona and Hawaii. Because the times, <laughs> they are a-changing. Beautiful. So Bob Dylan with Hammer and Nigel Records. It's time for Biden Madness. Come on, baby. 
You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. You can feel the excitement in the air, Nige. We start the regional finals this week. Uh, maybe reset for those that might be just tuning in or new to the show what Biden madness is. So we have put together 16 different sound bites of your current president. And each day we'll play two of them. And head to head, you, the listener of this program, will vote on the one that you think is the most ridiculous to advance in the tournament. <laughs> this is the second time we have done this. and We've got a whole new batch of clips. Whole new batch of clips. Except for two, right? right? Right. The defending champion and the runner-up were the only ones we brought back. So let's recap what happened on Friday before we move forward. Friday, we had a matchup of the number 16 seed against the number one seed. The number 16 seed is when Joe Biden was reminiscing about a nurse in the military named Pearl Nelson, <laughs> who may or may not have done unspeakable things to Joe. Named Pearl Nelson, military. She'd come in and do things that I don't think you learn in medical school, nursing school. What? She'd whisper in my ear. I didn't, couldn't understand him. She'd whisper, she'd lean down. She'd actually breathe on me to make sure that I, <laughs> there was a connection, a human connection. She even went home and brought back her pillow. She'd rub my inner thigh, my hairy legs, and turn blonde <laughs> in the sun. What nurse do you know that would breathe? Like, if you were in the hospital and a nurse just started getting, like, really close to your face and going, <sighs> <laughs> I have a theory for this. Yeah. I think Hunter bought him a stripper, <laughs> and Joe was too stupid to realize <laughs> and thought a, it was a, a real nurse. nurse. She was dressed up in the nurse's outfit. Right. And it's... <laughs> Getting his blood pressure, he got a lap dance. <laughs> and I love nurses on my lap. So that was the number That's 16 so seed. Okay. The number one seed, the defending champion in this tournament. One of only two clips we brought back. The clip that cut down the nets the last time. Joe Biden on the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by go. You know the you know the thing. <laughs> you know you know the thing. Boy, that has the chance to be a, a returning champion. That you know. I believe not it, since it, the it, Florida Gators went back to back. Yes, has an NCAA team won back to back? Maybe Duke did. I'm not sure. Uh, but today we have the regional finals. These are all. Sound clips that won their first matchup. Someone's punching their ticket to the final four. And so you know the thing won, right? Yes. I, I'm just saying. I just make it oh, clarify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Landslide. landslide win. Someone's going to the final four. We start with the only upset in the first round, the number 12 seed. Oh, this beat. Uh, uh, welcome to the party, Bow. Get ready, Bow. Oh, yeah. yeah. So the number ready, 12 Bal. seed is where Joe Biden was talking about having a headache. And how the doctors had to take the top off of his head a couple of times <laughs> to see if he had a brain. And also, Nige, I know you're partial to this. We get one of those anyways strong. in there. And I had uh, these terrible headaches. was diagnosed with having a... a uh, anyway, <laughs> they had to take the top of my head off a couple of times, <laughs> see if I had a brain. So... <laughs> They had to take the top of his head off a couple times oh. to see if he had a brain. And we also get the, anyway. <laughs> so that is the number 12 seed. That's a strong one, and that upset uh, yeah, that upset the um, the bow. Get ready, Get bow. ready, bow. You're going to in for a problem. Very controversial win, it was but a the very vote controversial is the win. vote. 
it's taking on the number four seed. Now, before we play this clip, the key word here is single. Single. And at the very end of this, <laughs> we have the uh, bizarre story of Joe Biden talking about hanging out with President Xi in the Himalayas. And then he says, I don't know that for a fact. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was in the foot, uh, foot, foot, excuse me, the foothills of the Himalayas with Xi Jinping, <laughs> traveling with them. And that's we traveled 17,000 miles when I was vice president. I don't know that for a fact. Traveling 17,000 miles in the Himalayas with Xi Jinping. I don't know that for a fact. And then America can be defined in a single word. Havza, havza, havza. Like I mean, that's just total, totally rambling, non sequitur. That doesn't make nothing in that made sense. It, 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 nothing. One didn't follow the other. It's uh, the single word, uh, the Himalayas, Xi Jinping, and seventeen thousand miles. I mean, he's just randomly saying words like Brick Tamlin randomly saying, "I love you." You know, I uh, I love lamp. <laughs> I so, mean, that's what it was. Brick, you just say you love things. Allison, let's reset our two clips for today. Can you find uh, Joe Biden talking about his headaches and cutting off his head? And I had uh, these terrible headaches, was diagnosed with having a, a uh, anyway, they had to take the top of my head off a couple times, <laughs> see if I had a brain. So that <laughs> is the 12 seed taking on the number four seed. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was in the foot, uh, foot, foot, excuse me, the foothills of the Himalayas with Xi Jinping, traveling with them. And that's we traveled 17,000 miles when I was vice president. I don't know that for a fact. Biden, are you just looking at things in the office and saying you love them? <laughs> I love lamp. I love lamp. All right, so I'm going to get this Strong. up on Twitter. And voting will begin here in just a moment. As a matter of fact, I'm finalizing it right now. And, and we're live. We are live. All right. Bada bang, right now. At Hammer and Nigel, get your votes in. The most ridiculous one advances. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it. So Friday, Hammer, we were talking about this. With a special guest, the Washington Bureau Chief for Breitbart, Matt Boyle, was talking about how he, he, he sat down with House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, was the first to interview him after McCarthy gave Tucker all that January 6th footage. Didn't give him all of it, but um, one of the big revelations in that interview was that Kevin McCarthy is going to slowly roll out access to every piece of footage from January 6th to the public, to news outlets everywhere. And I think that's a good idea. I think he's got to check, like, for security concerns, doesn't want to show, like, hidden secret doors or anything right. like that. But I think it's a big – I mean, this is one of the biggest stories last week, and it went on for days about how Tucker basically was able to show that it wasn't this this insurrection, this deadly insurrection everybody was talking about. You had the QAnon shaman being escorted around the Capitol by police – and then praying for them. 
um, when they when they got into the chamber there. There were people waiting in single file lines there were people to go taking through. Pictures. Like it, it was a tour. I'm not saying there wasn't violence, and I'm not saying uh, right. the police officers didn't get hurt, but it was not. And Tucker said that too. Yes, of course. Yeah. So uh, so it was not uh, the the only deadly part about January 6th was not any police officer, but it was an unarmed uh, veteran, Ashley Babbitt, who was shot at point blank range. And I could guarantee you, in the summer of love, 2020, if a social justice rioter got and it was they were unarmed and they got into a police precinct and they were shot point blank range, there would be NBA players wearing the jersey, you know, with their name on it. Right. Ashley Babbitt did not get the recognition um, that she deserved on that. Should she have been in there? Should she maybe? You know, I I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, sh- should she have stopped when they told her to stop? Yes. Nobody I, should I, I be breaking so. windows the, 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 to try to get into the Capitol. I'll, I, I'll, absolutely. I'll completely say no, that. No, no. I, I absolutely agree with you. But the point is, we're all going to be able to make the decision on our own what we see if this was some violent attempt to overthrow the, the government of the United States. <laughs> That's always made me laugh. It's laughable. The world's strongest military, and we're going to be brought down by a dude in a Viking helmet. That's what we're supposed to believe. So many more lives lost, so many more millions of dollars, billions of dollars worth of damage in the summer of love 2020 than anything that we saw for a few hours and a few hundred knuckleheads at January 6th. I'm not saying they don't deserve to go to jail. And look, a lot of these guys were charged I mean, there's hundreds of people that were charged with very small um insignificant like parading i think there was a couple of people from here that right. got charged that were there that day that got charged with quote parading and there was only a handful of people i don't know how many people have serious charges that are still in jail um chansley is that his name jacob chansley jacob chansley the q anon the shaman guy, the viking chewbacca the chewbacca guy he's been in jail for uh, a few years now and i don't think he should be in jail sorry after watching that footage there's no way that guy should be in jail for as long as he is the for argument that i see been. on social media is i see people saying well he pled guilty but did his yeah. legal team plead guilty because they did not have all the footage? They did not know there was other video available that showed him basically being escorted around. It wasn't like he gored somebody to death with his Viking helmet. He was being escorted around. <laughs> Again, because it happened in Washington, D.C., this is why these people care. It's the same thing about the immigrants being dropped off up at Martha's Vineyard. When it happens in their neighborhoods, that's when they start to care. They don't give a damn about anybody else, but when it happens to them, it's a big deal. Allison, hit me with some legal stuff. Crime, punishment, judges, legal stuff. Jim Jordan, Ohio rep, says that the House Republicans... Now, again, the Republicans do have the majority in the House. They're building their case against Dr. Fauci. In a new interview, uh, Jim Jordan says that Congress could, in theory, issue a criminal referral to have Dr. Fauci prosecuted. Uh, I I would frankly prefer to just have Dr. Fauci come back in and take another round of questions here. But we're building the case, you know, like we had Dr. Redfield 
uh, uh, testify last yes. week. Uh, 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 Chairman Winstrup did. I thought he was. I thought he was great. As as were the other witnesses that were brought in. So uh, again, laying that foundation. I do think Dr. Fauci and and uh, the 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 uh, CDC changed the definition of gain of function research so that Fauci has like this wiggle yeah. room. But they were juicing up this virus, no doubt about it. They were doing that in this lab, and I think that's clear. So we'll uh, we'll just have to see as we move through this uh, this investigation. And, and Fauci allegedly lied under oath about it to Congress, and that's what they're talking about. And now mm-hmm. Fauci's trying to say, well, the definition has been changed. That's what the that's, Biden uh, yeah. administration does. It's not a recession. Why? We changed the definition. <laughs> oh. That's right. Okay. <laughs> Dr. Fauci didn't do gain-of-function research. <laughs> Why? Because we changed the definition of it. Oh, okay. I love what I hear from Jim Jordan, but you and I both know there's a better chance of me being the first pick in the NFL draft than yeah. Dr. Fauci ever being prosecuted. Of course, because the, these committees, these House members can't prosecute. They got to just, they you know, they refer it to Biden's DOJ, and Merrick Garland uh, wipes his butt with it, throws it away, calls it a day. And that's how it's going to play out. So as Jim Carrey once said in the movie Liar, Liar, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bend over and just take it up the tailpipe. (laughs) And that's how our legal system works. We learned something here today. Uh, Speaking of legal stuff, a Chicago man (laughs) is suing Buffalo Wild Wings because he says their boneless wings are not wings at all. They're from another section of the chicken, which makes them chicken nuggets. And now he's filing a false advertising lawsuit. Yeah, this guy is a professional lawsuit filer. This this guy's filed lawsuits, multiple other class action lawsuits regarding various, uh, shall we say, uh, frivolous issues. Total ambulance chaser, frivolous lawsuit kind of guy. This is the age old debate that we've always had. Are Buffalo Wild Wings boneless wings? Are they indeed wings? Or are they just chicken nuggets dipped in sauce? Right. Either way, I wish I had some right oh, now. Sounds good. Whether it's chicken yeah. nuggets, whether it's wings, I don't care what you call it, but I'd eat the bejesus out of some <laughs> right now. Nigel show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there with a special guest on the DriveHubler.com hotline. Kevin Bowen is one half of the morning show on 107.5 The Fan. Kevin and Query. KB, we got a lot of stuff to get to, but let's talk some March Madness. The brackets came out yesterday and Purdue, a number one seed. The Hoosiers, a four. Both teams play on Friday. What's your first thoughts looking at the brackets? Well, my first thought is pace yourself. Friday is St. Patrick's Day, and yeah. Purdue does not tip until uh, 6.50, and Indiana's tip is 9.55 at the earliest. So, uh, yes, Indiana-Purdue fans, watch yourself this Friday. Um, I guess I'll start here. I think it's been an incredible season by Purdue. Um, you know, in, in Big Ten history, it's not often you see teams win the conference by three games in the regular season and then validate it with the tournament. That is very rare. And then you have to factor in as well what Purdue's expectations were entering the year. I mean, they lost the top five pick and a great player. Um, and Trayvon Williams as well, a couple senior starters. You know, they're one of the younger teams in major college basketball. So I know so much focus goes into March Madness, and understandably so, but still just a hell of a season for Purdue. And then for Indiana, when you look at that draw, there are some unbelievable storylines. Um, in their first-round matchup, they'll play Kent State. Kent State is coached by Rob Senderhoff. For those unfamiliar with the name, he was Kelvin Sampson's assistant here 
at Indiana and was probably the spearheader of the phone calls that got the Samson regime into some trouble. He resigned in October of 2007. Kelvin Samson resigned a few months later. And if you make it to the Sweet 16, the one seed is Houston, coached by Kelvin Samson. (laughs) So uh, off the floor, you've got a lot of storylines around IU. Um, if you look at their little kind of mini region, Miami, the team they can play in the second round, they're a little banged up. Houston's a little bit banged up. So I think for Purdue, they're, uh, a difficult matchup might come in the second round with Memphis. For Indiana, I think one of their tougher matchups could be early on where some teams are a little banged up in the later round. Hey, how would you assess IU's uh, college basketball season uh, as a whole? I, like I was, Of course, the Hoosiers let me down, and we didn't get an IU-Purdue matchup in the Big Ten tournament. I was so annoyed by that. I was like, just like the Hoosiers to do something like that. What did you think of uh, IU's season? I know it's just wild nights to think that those teams have only met one time in the Big Ten tournament, and that was in the first ever Big Ten tournament yeah. back in uh, 98. I mean, I, I think to summarize it, it'd be a roller coaster. You know, so much, you know, hype early on in the season. Yeah, obviously, you had some injuries in December, and then that really poor stretch in the Big Ten and losing to Northwestern and Iowa and Penn State and, and really struggling on the defensive end of the floor. Obviously, you had the highs of sleep in Purdue. In the Big Ten tournament, you felt like from a bracket standpoint, it was kind of made for you to potentially get on a run, and and you lose to Penn State in the semifinal. Um, you know, at the start of the year, if you were told IU fans you would be a four seed, I I, I think that probably fits a little bit of their preseason ranking. Um, again, you know, some real big highs, some real big lows. I still think you've got to get to the second weekend to feel like really good about this season, Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight. And then I feel like you also have to acknowledge, and this is a question I was thinking about on our morning show, you know, who has more pressure on them entering this tournament? Is it Purdue or is it Indiana? Hmm. Purdue's the one seed, so the the, the common phrase would be Purdue, and then when you consider that, you know, they haven't had great tournament success, you know, as those high seeds, particularly the second weekend, under Matt Painter, you you would quickly say Purdue, but then when you flash back to preseason expectations – you know, you'd be stunned if you thought Purdue was going to be a one seed. IU, you would thought, if anything, they could maybe be one of the top seeds. In Indiana, in all likelihood, they're going to lose their two best players, and Trace Jackson Davis and Jalen hood Shafino. Whereas Purdue, you know, none of their starters are are seniors. So, I, it's interesting how you view both of these seasons at Bloomington and West Lafayette. So let's look at the actual matchups and brackets here. Let's start with Purdue, KB. Listen, they were a number one team in America for a big chunk of this season. They've got probably the player of the year. If he hasn't been named that, uh, he soon will be in Zach Eady. But man, I don't think the committee did them a lot of favors. That's a real tough region that they're in. Yeah, and honestly, I think the toughest part is round two. I mean, if you look at Memphis or Florida Atlantic, those are the two teams they would play. Let's start with Memphis. Um, They are a team that just beat Houston over the weekend, who's the number one seed. I know Houston didn't have their best player, um, but Penny Hardaway is the coach of Memphis. I think that's a name that will resonate with a lot of people. Very athletic team. They've got a guard that can fill it up. Um, And and I, I just feel like that is a matchup that could give Purdue a little bit of trouble, particularly if they're committed to you know, pressing Purdue, which we saw late in those Big Ten games, things get very interesting with them if they do commit to a little bit of that. And then Florida Atlantic actually has a 7-1, 240-pound center, which, you know, from a Zach Heaty matchup, 
that would be something that I think would be fun to see. They're also coached by Dusty May, who went to IU and, and was a Bob Knight manager back in the day. Um, so I think that second-round matchup is a little bit more difficult. I actually think the, the higher seeds in the bracket, I mean, they've already beaten Duke. They've already beaten Marquette. Marquette is the two-seed, and it's in New York. I, I thought there's a chance they would get sent to Las Vegas. So the fact that Purdue – the Sweet 16 Elite Eight would be in New York. I think that's advantageous to them. Uh, if you look at Indiana, I, I, I'm going to start with Kent State. I, I know a lot of people might not know a whole lot about them, but again, as much as you can certainly make jokes and, and the headlines are there off the court when playing Rob Senderhoff, the fact that he is a Kelvin Sampson former assistant, you know those Sampson teams get after other people on the defensive end of the floor. Kent State lost three games in the non-conference. Two of those were at Gonzaga and at Houston, two very good teams. They had the lead late in both of those games. So this is a team that's been tested away from home. Um, I use, I think, favored by four or five early on. So I think that is one that honestly stands out to me a little bit more than just, you know, Miami potentially in the second round, Houston down the road. There are some injuries there. I think for Indiana, it's, it's very important just to look at that first game and realize four versus 13, don't just pencil that in into IU automatically advancing. couple more things here before we let you go, KB. I want to shift gears to the Colts. So over the last couple days, we've seen the Carolina Panthers make that trade with the Bears to jump up to number one, which means if you're the Colts, at the best, you're getting the third best quarterback available, maybe the fourth, depending on what happens with Arizona. So what do the Colts do here? Do they stay where they're at and just take the quarterback that falls in their lap? Do they try to make a move for Lamar Jackson? What are you hearing? Yeah, I'm not a fan of the Lamar Jackson move. To me, this is a guy that's missed nine games combined the last two seasons. Um, I think naturally his game will deteriorate a bit. Um, from the MVP level that he's been at. And, and I just, the injuries concern me, the guaranteed money. You'd also have to give up two first-round picks for him. And you're paying him that money into his 30s. And, again, I just don't think he'll be the same player three or four years down the road. And health is a big factor into that. Uh, you know, what you saw with Carolina moving up to one, I think the concern there is you have a quarterback-needy team now above you along with Houston. Houston has a second pick, whereas Chicago, who had the first pick, they weren't a quarterback needy team. So what happened with that trade on Friday is you've just lost a little bit more control and a little bit of other teams now are going to decide who's available for you. If I'm the Colts at four, I trade up in Arizona as soon as possible because I want to be I want to gain a little bit of control back. Or if for some reason you don't fall in love with one of those quarterbacks, now you're in control to where you can field calls of teams that might trade up with you and other teams that might fall in love with a quarterback here in the next few weeks, next month. Now you're in a position to where you've moved higher in the draft. You can hear him every Monday through Friday, 107.5 The Fan. It's the Kevin and Query Show. He is Kevin Bowen. KB, thank you. Thanks, KB. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. The Hammer and Nigel show. Oh, don't worry about it. It's not that big of a deal. Just the second largest bank failure in the history of the United States. Uh, breaking news over the weekend as we were wrapping up our show that um, um, the what is it? Silicon Valley Silicon Bank SVB, SVB completely collapsed. It's like I mean they they took they took a beating on their bond holdings. 
and because of the rapid interest rates hikes. Did they not see this coming at all? Bad investments and bad management yes. led to this. And now they're going to get a bailout. And you heard Charles Payne uh, on Fox News earlier today, and we're going to play some of his audio in just a moment, yeah. say this is not a bailout for the bank. This is a bailout for the people in Silicon Valley that are big donors to the left, that do a lot lot of the things that the Democratic Party is in favor of with climate change and a lot of that cryptocurrency it's stuff. Like these banks are w- more worried about climate change and being woke than they are their investors right. and handling their money. <laughs> right. So, again, if you missed it, this is Charles Payne, the uh, host of Fox Business, earlier today. First and foremost, uh, for me, this was a bailout of Silicon Valley. Not Silicon Valley Bank of Silicon Valley. And everyone needs to be clear on that. This was not a bailout of hardworking Americans and small accounts. This was a, a bank that only catered, for the most part, to Silicon Valley and their customers. So that's basically who Silicon Valley Bank is. And the follow-up question, and I think this is probably the most important one, right. how did we get to this point? So how does Silicon Valley get so big? All of the money that cascaded into our economy uh, at the beginning of the pandemic helped to spur that big IPO in SPAC streak, if you guys remember. Uh, We had over 1,000 IPOs, 59% of uh, offerings, 59% were SPACs. 90% of them were pure crap. The others all went out overvalued. Everyone who bought them at the IPO price, every American is losing money right now, even before this crisis. In the meantime, though, all of that money went to Silicon Valley Bank. Their deposits went up 300% to $200 billion. The average bank over that same time frame, their deposits went up 35%. So they're living large. They're having a great time. What do they do with the money? They don't lend it out. They don't lend it out. By the way, who the hell needs a loan in Silicon Valley? They don't lend it out. So they put it into different things, and they start loan, and, you know, start uh, uh, investing with it. Then things look a little dicey, so they say, okay, well, let's buy these bonds. Yeah. So the fact of the matter is, is the bond market took one of the worst rubbings it's ever had in the last year. It took a bath in the bond market, and the interest rates are through the roof, and uh, here we go. So Biden goes out there today, blames Trump blames capitalism, <laughs> and they're going to get the bailouts. I mean, we knew the bailout was of coming, course. right? Uh, Texas officials say Mexico, not just parts of Mexico, but all of Mexico, may be too dangerous for spring break this year. Now, we've had these stories before about certain sections of Mexico, but now we're hearing like the big tourist areas, Cancun, uh, the Mayan Riviera, Mexico City. Here's the most recent advisory from the State Department. Uh, Those areas uh, are under increased caution, Cabo, and normal caution, which is Cancun. But, but like, what does that mean? Increased caution, normal caution. What is that? And there's certainly some areas, like the areas where the four people got kidnapped and the two uh, were shot to death. Right. Like, I don't understand what normal caution means. Normal caution means I ain't going there. <laughs> right. Well, the Texas Department of Public Safety is encouraging anyone that is going to go to. 
Cancun or Cabo, wherever in Mexico, to make sure that they register with the nearest U.S. embassy or consulate <laughs> prior to their departure. Are you going anywhere where you have to register with the U.S. embassy? No. <laughs> Can you imagine being an 18-year-old high school kid, 17-year-old high school kid? You've been saving up all year. You're going to Cancun. It's spring break. It's your senior year. And they're telling you, one, it's dangerous, and two, you have to register <laughs> with the consulate and embassy? I mean, Mexico used to be the place, especially those places we just mentioned, Cabo, Cancun, Spring Break, late 90s, early 2000s. And now it's just a, it seems like most of it's a hellhole. This is the statement from the Texas Department of Public Safety, DPS, quote, based on the volatile nature of cartel activity and the violence we're seeing there, we are urging individuals to avoid travel to Mexico yeah. at this time. I mean, there's so many places in this country I haven't been that I'd like to go. I've been to Cancun. It was when I was in high school with my parents, but I just like I've never I've never been to Hawaii. Yeah, I've never been to New York City, for that matter. There's a ton. I've never been to Montana. I'd love to go visit Missoula. And there's other places around the world I'd like to go see. But right now, if I have to register with the uh, U.S. Embassy, <laughs> the consulate, before I go, just in case something happens to me, then um, I'm making other plans. Right. Right. I understand everybody feels like they're oppressed here in this country. <laughs> but if you have to register with a consulate before you visit somewhere, then we can have that conversation because there's some bad things happening. And speaking of those that feel like they're oppressed in the United States, let me jump ahead to this story here, Nige. Okay. A North Korean agent could be shot dead by the firing squad after he got busted typing in Kim Jong-un's name into a search engine online. Oh, yeah. They'll throw you into the wood chipper for that that kind of thing. Just by basically Googling Kim Jong-un in North Korea, they will search your computer, search your history, and execute yeah. you by firing the, squad. The, the human rights violations in that country, in China, in Iran, places like that, are just, uh, you know... It, it doesn't even register with people here in the United States how lucky we have it. Right. The word oppressed is thrown around so loosely. It's so watered down in this country. Right. Because nobody's oppressed in this. You're not oppressed in this country. Somebody that's a student at Harvard that's protesting on campus about how oppressed they are. I'll tell you what. Why don't you and the North Korean agent flip-flop? Why don't the North Korean agent come over here and go to a major university, and you go protest over in North Korea, and then you can tell me who's got it worse? Yeah. Maybe it's not so bad over here after all. I mean, we're not perfect. Don't get it twisted. The United States is not perfect. But stop with the, we're so oppressed. Until you speak spend time overseas at a hellhole like North Korea, yeah. sit down and shut the hell up. Speaking of we're not perfect, the, the brawl in the Marion County Family Court. Not good? <laughs> not a good look? We posted that video on Twitter over the weekend. Uh, yeah, there's some stuff going on there for sure. So, this story happened, I believe, late last week, and the video was kind of going around in inner circles of the court system. Yeah, you got your hands on it, didn't Got my hands on it, and I was the only one that had the cojones to post it, because the other TV stations had it 
but nobody wanted to show it. They just talked about there was an altercation. But just hearing there was an altercation doesn't do this justice. If you missed it, we've got it on our Facebook <laughs> and our Twitter, at Hammer and Nigel. This was a wild brawl in the courts of Marion County. You see a big old fat butt crack, too. There's butt crack? <laughs> There's usually is with fat guys in sweatpants and brawls. You're going to see a butt crack eventually if those if you, if you th- mix all those three together. You also saw a thrown computer. In a chair, yeah. I mean, this was some Maury, Jerry Springer kind of stuff. It's actually, it's heartbreaking. I mean, it was family court. It was a paternity thing, and I hate to see. And there was no, it didn't seem like there were any bailiffs or any protection or anybody stopping it at all. So, this is the conversation, because the folks at the court system are saying, look, we are so short-staffed, yeah. we usually don't have security in the family court. We have it over in the criminal court. But at the same time, you got 300 sheriffs across Marion County. How about you bring some of them off the streets and put them in the courts? I mean, it would probably make sense to make sure the court system is safe. And there were people that were arrested and charged eventually in that brawl. A couple of them, yeah. yeah. But you scrolled to go to at Hammer and Nigel, the Twitter account, scroll down, or Facebook for that matter, and you can see for yourself. It got out of control. Right. There was trash talk. Next thing you know, people were running up to the court, and then we're playing the feud. Oh, yeah. Pretty ugly. And it takes me back to a simpler place in time When we used to kick back and let the moon shine The Hammer and Nigel Show. A relatively new segment to the show called Moonshine Mondays. Uh, My wife's aunt has a contact in Decatur County. Like it. Backwoods, Decatur County. And they they know how to make some moonshine down there. Like the real stuff. Not the kind of stuff with the artificial ingredients that you'd buy at the liquor store. Right. These are like the clear mason jar type. Uh, moonshine, and they make somebody with bare feet playing a banjo <laughs> may have had a hand in this. <laughs> and look at this! Look at this cooler full of mason jars with all these different flavors. Oh, in look at that! Look at that so, big so, bag of illegal right there. And and see now, here's the thing: I don't know, and I'll need to brush up. I don't know that it's illegal to make your own moonshine. I do know that it's probably illegal to sell it. Now it's, I don't, but I don't know. I don't think that's what they're doing. You didn't buy it; it was given no, as a it, gift. It was yes, it was given to me. And so there's no transaction. So you're off the hook. <clears throat> okay, so are they? If, yes. You know, if any, you know, excise or whatever. So I have picked out a flavor from that cooler, and uh, you're, I want you to tell me what it is. Okay. So. Moonshine Monday. Nigel's pouring it into the uh, cup right now. Now, this is a flavor. They could make flavors in there. Yes. Well, last week, what did we do? Well, it, the, it, was, it was Fireball. It kind of tasted like cinnamon. It just had, had some... an F yes. on the label, and we didn't know what it was the minute we tasted it. <laughs> oh, that's fire. <laughs> so. Have a little taste here, Moonshine Mondays. Tell me what you think. Cheers. Man, um, I can't tell. I can taste it. I can know you? what it is. I could t- when I tell you, you might be able to taste you, you might be able to try it again. Mm. <laughs> Ooh, I saw a little gag reflex there for a minute. Watermelon. Watermelon? Yeah. This is watermelon. Try it again. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Okay. Okay. It's not super strong watermelon, <clears throat> but it's got a little kick to it. Mm. A little? A little kick to it. <laughs> you're gonna 
you're going to have to get somebody to drive you home, not because you're drunk, because you're blind. <laughs> That's how you know it's real shine when you're seeing and your sight starts to go away. It's not about your speech or your walk. It's about your sight. Well, do, this is really good. Do we have any plans for St. Patrick's Day for the show? Well, we're going to be like, in here, and we always have a lot of fun on St. Patrick's Day. This year, it happens to be on a Friday, Beer Sample Friday, oh, yeah. and we've got Purdue and Indiana playing that evening. What time does IU play? IU comes on at around 6.50. No, Purdue, Purdue came on at 6.50. Oh, that's right. Purdue's at 6.50. Indiana's at 9.55. Oh, that's not, the earliest. I'm not making that one. If that first game goes into <laughs> overtime, you're looking at maybe 10.20, 10.30-ish. Yeah, I don't think I can make it that late. I don't know. I'm going to have to wake up and check the score the next day. St. Patrick's Day. Actually, I'm going to a party. It just hit me. There's a party we're going to, and... Uh, I'm sure that'll be. I'm sure that'll be on the TV there. So, can I ask a serious question? Yes. Aren't you a little old to be going to parties? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't want to go to the party, Hammer. This is not my idea. Because I know what time you go to bed. That's why I'm asking. You go to sleep pretty early. You. Some would say pass out. But. <laughs> So I'm just asking, are you going to be able to make it through? Uh, maybe I'll fake a sickness and stay home and watch the games. Oh, that's you great! I, yeah. I tested positive today. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the go-to, right? Right. Hey, sorry, COVID, BA five, Omicron can't come. Meanwhile, all the wings and pizzas at the house, at the green beer, and you're ready to go. It's the Hammer and Nigel show.